Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bengal and Liz Hartman. Hello, hello, Newburn, and welcome. It is Friday once again, and I am here live. Uh, you are listening to City Talk with Sabrina and Liz. Liz today, happy fourth weekend, is with her daughter Cora, having a great family weekend. Good for you. So I am taking the reins today and next Friday while I'm on vacation, uh, Liz will be here taking the reins as well. So we kind of tag team this week. Uh, Liz, I know you're out there on your day off listening to our show, so <laughs> feel free to call in at any time. But if not, sleep in. That will be really, really good. But uh, it's another Friday, another uh, great week. It's been a busy week, a great week. Um, excited to get ready for this wonderful wonderful holiday. You know, interestingly enough, on the news, we've been hearing about a survey that was done that shows people are not as patriotic as they used to be, and that there's been a decline in the celebration of America and thinking what we live in a great country. And I was really kind of sad about that because this is the greatest country. We are the newest and oldest democracy, newest country in the world, oldest democracy in the world. And to think of where we are and what we have compared to everybody else in the world, I think is pretty amazing. And I think it's awesome that we find a day to celebrate an unbelievable country that we live in. The 4th of July signifies so many good things, and it does signify some bad things. We all realize there's good and bad and everything. But at the end of the day, we all choose to live here. We can, we're free to go anywhere we want, live anywhere we want, but we all choose to stay here because it is so glorious. I thought it would be really, really interesting this 4th of July if we talk about the first 4th of July in the city of New Bern. Uh, we all love the city. We love its history. So I have invited today my guest, who is Matt Arthur, a native New Bernian, which I like even better, <laughs> who is the, okay, I'm going to get this right. Uh, the Living History Program Coordinator. That's right. That? Living History Program Coordinator at the Tryon Palace. And of course, Tryon Palace was the first government here in the state of North Carolina. It was the colonial home of the first royal governor, Governor Tryon. And it just screams Newburn and who we are, what we're all about. So we're here today to talk about the glorious fourth. And I want to welcome you, Matt. Welcome to City Talk. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you're you're so welcome. So tell us a little bit about this celebration. And this celebration is really a recreation that you're going to do on Monday. You always do it on the actual fourth of July. We do it on the 4th, unless the 4th is on a Sunday, and then okay. things get really complicated. But, uh, <laughs> typically, yes, it's on the 4th, with it being Monday being the 4th, we're gearing up. And we are honestly inspired by the celebrations that happened in 1783. So in 1783, the new state governor is Alexander Martin. He is the first governor of a state to declare the 4th of July is a day of Thanksgiving. Awesome. And it should be a day of Thanksgiving. So where does he fall in the whole James Dobb spate? Because, you know, he, he was the first governor, correct, of the state of North Carolina? No, he. Uh, so the first governor of the state of North Carolina is Richard Caswell. Okay. All right. Good. Um, Help me with my history here. And there's several there. And I'll be honest, the early governor names, I'm, I'm, I always get a little fuzzy on, but we've got um, Abner Nash falls in there who had Pembroke as his farm, his farm which <laughs> yes. is just across the river. Right. But Alexander Martins actually hails from Guilford County. No relation to Josiah Martin, who was the last royal governor. While he lived in Guilford County, Newburn was still the state capital, and so he would travel and use this as kind of an official place on occasion. And so, yes, he just declares it a day of Thanksgiving. We don't know what Newburn did on July 4, 1783, as part of that. As some inspiration, what we actually use is a journal entry from an international visitor that Newburn had named Francisco de Miranda. Um, he is one of the Venezuelan founding fathers. Ah. He came in 1783 to do a tour of the new United States, and Newburn is actually his first stop. And wonderful. <laughs> yep. He was and where a, did he hail from? From, from Venezuela. Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's right. Which was a Spanish colony at the time. He wasn't planning on going to Newburn to start with. The ship that he was on was supposed to go into Charleston, and we don't know why, but they decided instead we're going to Newburn. <laughs> We're thankful he stayed here for several months. We actually know a good amount of what life is like in New Bern in 1783 because of that. 
And one of the things is in June of 1783 is when the announcements of the peace accords going, that are going to be signed to end the war are announced in New Bern. And he describes what happens there. And he says that the militia comes out, they do a celebratory firing uh, because it's Eastern North Carolina, we barbecue a pig. Um, <laughs> it, they also break out um, barrels of rum and everyone drinks from a common cup. And uh, he talks about the fact that, you know, that shows a really democratic and, you know, equal mindset. Um, he also mentions the fact that we may have overindulged. He says that there were a few fisticuffs, and um, you know, so we we enjoyed the rum enough that we got drunk. We had a couple of fist fights, and you know, kind of ended the day with a bonfire. So um, we use some of that inspiration. Um, unfortunately, not the pig or the rum, but uh, the having uh, our the first North Carolina. Regiment of the Continental Line, which is one of the interpretive military interpretive groups that we have. Um, they participate. They mentioned that there were drums and that sort of thing, so our Fife and Drum Corps are a part of this. And we also have individuals in costume, but not in character, uh, that represent all of the different mindsets that were going on around here. Um, while New Bern was um, itself as a city, fairly patriotic or rebellious, depending on what side of the conflict you're on. Um, Eastern North Carolina as a whole was fairly uh, loyalist mindset. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at the colonies um, during this time period, you have a third that are patriotic, a third that are loyalist, and a third that are kind of in the middle, and some of them honestly are going... What's what, this all about? <laughs> well, what's the, what's going to be the difference? Is anything really going to change for me? Right. And those sorts of things. And so because it is such a complicated time, um, having different individuals who are trained on what happened to some of the loyalists, um, you know, what were some of the women's thoughts and those sorts of things. So we have all of that and the reading of the Declaration um, so, as well. So you will recreate this and you'll have all of this for visitors. And this is a free opportunity mm -hmm. to come on to the through the main gate of Tron Palace, mm -hmm. and it will take place on the steps, I believe, of the palace. The reading will happen there. Is that correct? That's correct. So the event runs from 9 to noon. Okay. The grounds open up at 9. The grounds are free. Um, if you want to tour the palace or the kitchen, that does require a ticket, but for the main celebration, um, it's free. Uh, at 10, the first and Fife and Drum will parade from the front of the palace to the south steps of the palace. And um, that's where we'll be doing the readings, where we did it last okay. year. So, so it's on the back side. It's on the back side. Okay. Um, it, we've, for years, we did it in the central courtyard right. um, with it just being really tightly packed and people still being concerned about you know, COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it, it, um, I had people who stopped us last year and said it was just nice not to be quite so elbow to elbow with everybody. Yeah. Um, so we'll go back there. I'll be reading it uh, from the from the south steps, and um, I'll read the declaration. But before that, we're also doing a land acknowledgement for the indigenous tribes that uh, called this land home. You know, before this was Newburn, it was Chatuka. It was a it was Nusiak the and Chatuka. Okay, yep. and that's where we get Chautauqua Lane from. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Right. It's good to have that little history put in there. You know, I think it's a great idea having it on the South Lone because at least you might get some of the water breeze because it is usually so hot. So it might be a little cooler on that back yes. side than it is on the front side. Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. That, that'll be a great thing. So, okay, great. So you're going to be celebrating what the, the indigenous people that were yep. there before Baron de Graff and Reed and, and the royal governor got there. Yeah, <laughs> and then we have a little bit of a paragraph to help people kind of understand that, that cultural context that we're talking about and of, you know, what life was like in 1783 when we are hearing this, you know, um, and things like, you know, mentioning the fact that people, you know, a lot of people don't know that, like, Harlow is the home to a group known as the Harlow Patriots. These were free men of color who fought on the Continental Line. Um, the Spellman brothers, Asa Spellman, um, uh, and his brothers, but when George Washington came through Newburn on his southern tour, um, he actually had met Asa Spellman and uh, remembered him and stopped and shook his hand and those sorts of things. But so paying contribution to everybody and the fact that Newburn has this very rich, diverse history that makes us who we are.
Well, I, I think it's great. And it's a great opportunity to bring the children out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great family opportunity. You know, get out, maybe start your day and come on down there and, and be there at 10. So it looks like, um, from what I'm seeing, um, 10 o'clock we'll have a parade of the Fife and Drum Corps and the North Carolina Regiment of the Continental Line. Mm -hmm. It'll get you to the south. You'll read. Need go back a little bit here as you're scrolling down. I guess I'll see it. And then at 11.30, maybe, is it? Or 11, so, you're going to have something else that scrolled past me. Yep, yep. So as soon as I finish reading the Declaration of Independence, Fife and Drum will do a little bit of a, uh, a concert. Okay, great. And as soon as they finish, the first will do a firing demonstration. Okay. And then... Um, the first will do a second firing demonstration at 1130. Um, Perfect. So, Perfect. So, and, and again, this is all free. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're welcome to you know, walk around the South Lawn. If you do want to do a tour of the gardens and in the house, you uh, have to purchase a ticket. And that is a ticketed event. Yeah, for the palace, the uh, kitchen, if you were looking to go into the galleries at the History. North Carolina History Center, um, those, those things are ticketed. But wander the gardens. We'll have individuals in the military camp. Uh, that you can you know talk to and kind of see what a little bit of military life is like. Awesome. Minji's was actually very generous. They have donated. You're used to seeing the Pepsi can you know trailers. Um, we're going to be giving out water and Pepsi to folks, um, and uh, so we'll have all of that going around until noon. And what we found is that around noon, everybody's either looking to get out of the heat or getting ready to go start their cookouts. Right, and that is so true. But if people did want to stay, I mm -hmm. know that there's another free opportunity in the gallery and it's made in New Bern. It's that yes. display that talks about some wonderful items that were made, actually made here in New Bern, Craven County and mm -hmm. the surrounding area. And that is a free exhibit that's going on for the next several months and, yep. and really, you know, again, you could go into the gift shop. This is all located in the North Carolina History Center on um, uh, I want South Front Street. I still want to call it Tron Palace Drive, but South mm -hmm. Front Street. Uh, and that is free. And mm -hmm. you've got the wonderful gift shop in there, which is great to go around there. Shout out to my good friend, Mary, who is doing an amazing, amazing job in the gift shop. And so, um, you know, opportunities to really get out and enjoy uh, this wonderful resource we have called Tron Palace, <laughs> right in our own backyard. And it's just amazing. I think when you live here, you don't, uh, we're all guilty of this, you don't know as much about it or you don't go to it mm -hmm. as visitors. We probably have visitors that come to Newburn just to go to Tron Palace. And you know, I grew up in New York and there was New York City at my back door and the Statue of Liberty and the, you know, um, Empire State Building, all these wonderful things that I never went to growing up there until my I met my husband and he came for a visit and we did the tourist thing. And then, you know, I was able to see some of those things. But I think that's what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, you have something in your backyard. But, you know, the Tron Palace um, for many years, of course, in the 50s, it was open up. Um, it was the work of many courageous women mm -hmm. who were led by Gertrude Carraway, who, uh, you know, just I'm so glad that I was able to meet her in my lifetime and, um, you know, get to know who she was. But through her leadership efforts and the women of North Carolina, prominent women of North Carolina, they just dug their feet in and they were bound and determined to rebuild Triumph Palace here in its original footprint and make it a wonderful asset to the state of North Carolina, which of course it is owned by the state and they fund it. And it's important to know that it, it doesn't happen by itself that it takes many people, many hours, and it's constant work and effort uh, to make this place so spectacular. And I'm you know, very proud as a New Bernie, and I'm very proud of this asset that we have right in our backyard and the attention that it draws. You know, um, I started a business many years ago the early 90s and that was the trolley car and it was based on the research that I did with Tron Palace the number of visitors that and at the time it was 85,000 people a year went through the gates of Tron Palace and now I, I think that number is you know uh, 200,000 a year you know whatever yeah. but is you know multiplied great greatly of course you have the history center which draws a lot of people to it um, so it, it really is truly an asset so beyond the glorious fourth, I know there's other things happening mm -hmm. at the palace and wonderful um, uh, events and things that they have. And the biggest thing that's getting probably the most, not only statewide, but national attention is the Outlander series. 
And so talk a little bit about some of the Outlander events that you have. And I mean, they, they get sold out. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, so on the third Saturday of every month is kind of our Outlander day. Right now we have two different Outlander tours. One's called the Spark of Rebellion um, and happens in the mornings. Um, and the other is called the Storm of Revolution. Um, now, they, we have it, one of our permanent historical interpreters, Susan Griffin, is... And not only just a history buff, she's an Outlander buff. And she is uh, kind of the thrust on planning and preparing everything to the point that when we're not in a droughtlander time when the the show is not going on um when the show is happening she is updating every month with what his you know if there are ways to tie in what has happened in the latest uh episode the morning tour that spark of rebellion tour is things that happen outside so you stop by the military encampment and you hear a little bit of how that's tying in with things like alamance and those sorts of deals we have um, individuals who are talking about 18th century apothecary and tying in with claire's medical knowledge um you the they stop at the stables there's there's several different stops that happen around there but it's all outside um and so then there is the afternoon tour, which actually goes inside the palace and kind of follows a bit in Claire's footsteps inside inside the palace because in the in the series she does spend time in the palace with Governor Josiah Martin, um, and uh, so tying into all of that and trying to be careful not to give away too many spoilers. <laughs> um, but uh, so we do have those tours again on the second, I mean the third right. Saturday. Um, and so you need to make a reservation for this. It's not recommended to just show up and try to get on the tour. Because it's because it gets sold out uh, early on. Yes, you can actually go to the website and purchase tickets on the website. Um, if I remember correctly, they're twenty bucks for each tour. Um, so you can do that. You could call the the ticket desk as well. But uh, you know, we now have the ability. It's something we've been working on for a while to sell tickets online. So. Amazing. I know we worked on that. You know, I, I work with, you know, TDA and uh, uh, we've for years asked about that because it does make it so much easier to do that. It's easier on staff and everybody else if you yep. can do it ahead of time. So you can buy your ticket. You can come. Of course, you could do both sessions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, stop and have a wonderful lunch somewhere in town. And it makes for a really full great day and i know people plan weekends they do. and we're doing weekend packages now for people with the outlander tours and and coming on and it's amazing how a tv show could really generate all of that interest and excitement and and you know bring people to newburn north carolina yeah. right? we would have thought that newburn would would get some attention because of a such a major novel series right and so that has worked out really good so, you know, we've got Outlander, of course. Are there other special events that are happening in the next couple of months? We're going to talk about the big event later, but in the next couple of months that's going on? Yeah, so um, actually for July, that third Saturday, which is the 16th, mm -hmm. um, is kind of a, there's a lot going on that day. So yes, we've got the two Outlander tours, but also we are having a family day. There's another one that will be happening on August 13th. Now, these are uh, sponsored by Suddenlink. Okay. And so there will be a little extra stuff out on the the grounds. There'll be some crafts, uh, um, those sorts of things. Uh, for those days, uh, families that have a uh, SNAP, a WIC, or a Medicaid card um, actually will get uh, a free Gardens and Galleries Pass, awesome. which will also include the Pepsi Family Center. Um, and so we've got those happening again on that July 16th and August 13th. Um, and then on the July 16th as well, kind of as a way if someone really wanted to make a day out of it for uh, the palace, um, we have a program being run by our costumer, Leslie Gagnon. Um, it's kind of a what to wear for the 18th century. Um, it'll be covering kind of all the layers of, especially women's clothing, but I think she's going to touch on men's as well because it is layers and layers of clothing um, <laughs> and what one would wear uh, for the 18th century. Um, and as a part of that, they will also be working on creating an 18th century pocket. So in the 18th century, ladies' clothes do not have pockets like sewn into them. 
women's clothing in pockets has always been a challenge, apparently. <laughs> um, and so a pocket during this time period is considered basically part of your underwear. It's a separate garment that's tied around your waist, and your petticoats would have a slit that you could reach through and get in there, and that's where you can keep your keys and those sorts of things. But they were often um, really elaborately decorated, embroidered, and those sorts of things. So interesting. So th th there's all kinds of really neat opportunities for you when you go to the palace and you can find these things. And all of this information is on your website, which is tryonpalace.org, mm -hmm. not O-R-G. And you could see they have a calendar. You could do the calendar of events. You could get in there and really um, navigate. It's a great website with lots of information, good pictures, uh, and it gives you information on what's going on there. So you mentioned the Pepsi Family mm -hmm. Gallery. And, you know, that was a, a, a really exciting time for us when uh, Pepsi agreed to give, um, I believe it was a million dollars towards that project. It is a little confusing for people, I have to admit. You know, everybody knows, FYI, Pepsi story. You know, I'm the Pepsi queen. I love, to, I, I love mm -hmm. the, the, the fact that this worldwide brand was born right here in New Bern, North Carolina. But some people think they're coming to a Pepsi museum, which it is not. And I know sometimes people go, well, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You said Pepsi, you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's what they think. But it, it, it's, it was a naming opportunity more than anything. But what happens in this wonderful place, it's a great place of exploration for children mm -hmm. and families. So talk to everybody a little bit and tell them what kind uh what to expect when you come to the Pepsi Family Gallery. When you, when you pop into the Pepsi Family Center, uh, you'll step into basically Newburn in 1835. We have a small small town there and it's a wonderful place where uh, history, hands-on opportunities, and technology are all married together. Um, so we have kind of different areas that reflect aspects of what life in Newburn in Eastern North Carolina would have been like during this period. So we have an area that's a turpentine forest. And so there are different challenges of uh, and activities for you know a family or we have school groups that come and love to do this as well um, to learn a little bit more about the naval stores industry and turpentine which was such a big part of East, eastern north carolina's because we had so many pine trees yes <laughs> um so there's aspects of that that cover everything from you know trying to make sure that you're boiling just enough water out of it or loading and unloading barrels and those sorts of things. There's a house, and so talking about um, food and recipes, and so there's um, a digital uh, cook, an enslaved woman, uh, who is getting you to help her gather all of the recipe, uh, all the ingredients for the recipe, and then you can stand at the table and watch a video of that recipe being prepared very fast. Um, there's a <laughs> quilting area so you can make a digital quilt while listening to some of the latest gossip in town, a store, um, the newspaper office, and then the ship, which has one of my personal favorites in there, which is basically a giant whack-a-mole um, area, which is basically you getting rid of all the ship's rats. Uh. Um, but the you know also the students can uh, and guests can you know learn how what's involved in steering the ship and, and you know, sail the ship through a storm and those sorts of right, things. And they can sail from here to Norfolk. There you go. And I, I think that's really amazing. And so it really presents a lot of opportunity. Now, you know, of course, uh, Hurricane Florence did was not very friendly to the North Carolina History Center and to the Pepsi Family Center. And it really uh, basically took it out. And it so did. It was out of commission for about maybe a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. Um, it was out of commission, and it took a lot of um, determination and efforts and money to put it back together. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really pleased that it's back open and back running. And then, you know, what happens? COVID shuts it down. So it's really, things have really suffered over there. So I'm so glad that it's back on track. And, you know, if you're listening right now, and please share our video and, um, you know, what a great place to take the kids and learn a lot about right here, New Bern, North Carolina. We're not talking about somewhere else. We're talking about right in our own backyard here, what it was like in 1835 and, and how people, what they did to survive and mm -hmm. what they did to make a living and what they did to run a household. And I think it's really, you know, interesting to me, the best part was steering the ship. I love that. That was the funnest <laughs> thing to me was getting that ship in, you know, through that storm into Norfolk. So, um, I think that's a re really, really good thing. So I think it's worth it to go out there. Of course, it is it, that is ticketed, correct? It is. And so, um, again, you can get your tickets by, you know, going online, 
uh, or going there to the History Center, uh, North Carolina History Center, where you can purchase your ticket and go into uh, the Pepsi Family Center. So well worth the trip. Um, and it's just, you know, worth sharing this information with others. Of course, I want to remind everybody we are live right now on Facebook, but this is rebroadcast at 6 p.m. on 96.3. Thank you, Henry Hinton. We always like to say thank you to Mr. Hinton for sharing our wonderful program uh, that's on there. Of course, uh, my cohort Liz is on vacation today. I will be on vacation next Friday, and we're here talking to Matt Arthur, who is the, I'm going to get this, I was so good now, the Living History Program Coordinator. Correct. At Triumph Palace, yay me. <laughs> so it's a mouthful. We, yeah, we have been talking about, um, first and foremost, the Glorious Fourth, which is coming up on Monday, July 4th, where you can go to Triumph Palace on the South Lawn, backside, um, and hear the reading of the Decla- Declaration of Independence. And for, for many people, you know, they know what it is, but they've never really heard it in its entirety. And I think it's very moving to hear it read. You'll see the North Carolina Regiment. You'll see our, our wonderful local um, uh, fife and drum corps that we have there and some other things that will be happening on the ground. And it is completely uh, free. Nine o'clock, the gates open and the event will start at 10 and be done by noon. So you can then head off to barbecue land or exactly. whatever you're out swimming, whatever else you're going to be doing so lots lots of stuff going on there but there's also lots of stuff going on at the city as well and it will you will you post that and we'll put that up there um i would be remiss um if i didn't do a shout out to newburn parks and recreation because they do an amazing amazing job of um providing events of course our biggest event will be the fourth of july fireworks that we have that are going to be at Lawson Creek Park. So I wanted to let you all know that the festivities um, will begin at 5.30 at Lawson Creek Park. It's going to include live music, food, games, and of course the fireworks at about 9.15 to end the day. And that's always the great part because it can be seen from downtown all around, boats, (laughs) from the palace you can see it. So it'll really be a a great opportunity. I know many times I've seen people just come and set their chairs up in the walkway outside the History mm-hmm. Center and along those uh, river walks. So it's a, a great opportunity to get out there and just enjoy it. Also, too, there'll be um, the Jan Michael Fields Band is going to take the stage at 6.30 p.m. Again, Lawson Creek Park. Um, it, it has music that goes from the 1960s through today's Top 40. Way the 60s makes me old. <laughs> um, it, and, of course, the concert takes place on Thalman Field. There will be food trucks, games, and fun activities will be set up inside the park. And all of this will kick off at 530. Handicap accessible parking will be available inside the park. And then the overflow parking is going to be at Temple Baptist Church. And the city is going to offer offer shuttle service to and from Temple at from Temple Church, and that's Kingdom Way where it's located, to Lawson Creek Park. So you can park there and stay out of the crowd if you want to, and then just get um, uh, the shuttle back and forth. Um, so and just remember that Jack's Island and the boat ramp at boat ramp at the end of uh, Lawson Creek Park will be closed from 11 p.m. Sunday. July the 3rd through 11 p.m. Monday, July the 4th. So for 24 hours, those boat ramps will be closed. All our great fishermen out there who I know love to fish, uh, they will. that will be closed because of the access and setting up the fireworks. Um, and it says that the boat launch near Thalman Field will remain open until 6 p.m. Monday, July 4th for boaters, kayakers, and paddle boarders. Please note, if you are still on the water after 6 p.m., you will be blocked from accessing the boat ramp until fireworks show is over. Again, we want everybody safe, and that's why we're doing this. Um, Also, too, visitors are welcome to bring coolers, blankets, lawn chairs, and tailgate items to Lawson Creek Park. However, alcohol, glass, fireworks, and pets are not permitted. We know you love all of that, but when there's lots of people around, it becomes dangerous. So please um, understand and respect what the rules are. 
Service animals are permitted pursuant to city ordinance section 65 bicycle bicyclists uh, cyclists that would be the better word are asked to refrain from riding their bikes inside the park. So lots of lots of good things. Um, the suggested fireworks viewing locations. So this is really important too. So if you want to view them, Palace Point Commons. So Palace Point Commons is that rounded area or curved area right behind the South Lawn. That will be closed off. And um, it will be closed from 8.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. for people to be able to view the uh, fireworks. So I think that's a great place. Mm -hmm. You can watch the fireworks from Union Point Park, Lawson Creek Park. So these are just great ways. Understand there will be some traffic. So, you know, stay calm. Don't be in a hurry. <laughs> So also, too, the city wanted to let everybody know, and I think this is important to share, if you plan to host your own fireworks show, show at home, please do so safely and legally. So remember, in the state of North Carolina, fireworks are considered illegal if they become airborne, explode, and or spin, including firecrackers, bottle rockets, Roman candles, and mortars. Okay, it's a misdemeanor. Be aware of the impact of fireworks and stress they can cause to pets. Mm -hmm. And boy, you know, I, many of us, when that happens, we've got lots of dogs under the bed. People have to sometimes sedate their dogs. It is, you know, really can be, um, you know, upsetting. So we just want to remind people to be safe and think about, um, you know, what's going on in and around you. If you are having your own fireworks, sparklers or whatever. You know, it's better to be safe than sorry, so we want to do that. Our city offices, of course, are closed on Monday um, and will reopen on Tuesday, July 5th at, at 8 a.m. Trash and recycling services will run as normal. So, Nancy, yes, it's saying, uh, my note here from the city says, trash and recycling service will run as normal. So, on Monday, I guess we will have our recycling running on Monday downtown. So uh, if that's not the case, you can always call City Hall. Even though we're closed, we do have an emergency number and check on that. So uh, lots going on, lots of lots of good things going on. And, you know, Fourth of July is just such a great family time and always has been um, for people to get together. And New Bern has, I think, always done a good job. One thing I, I know years ago, people were trying to get together a parade and we never could seem to make that happen or mm -hmm. come together. Um, I think that would be fun. Um, when I lived in Riverside, we used to have a little parade in the afternoon. It was a bike parade. So all the kids, <laughs> I remember my children, Buddy and Becky, they could do bikes or wagons, and we just kind of pro progressed down a couple of blocks of, of a street in Riverside and then ended up someplace to have a you know cookout with neighbors and friends. And it was always really nice to do that when my children were little. Of course, people have families and other things they go to, but there's a lot of people that don't have places to go to. So it's nice to get your community get together and doing things. But let's get back to the palace now. So um, probably my most favorite event that happens at Tron Palace is the candlelight tour. And you know, those have just been spectacular and for years, um, they've tried different things, but I really believe you guys got it down to a science. Now you do it one, one two weekends, right? Two weekends. Two yeah. weekends um, during the Christmas season, and I, it's one night on the two weekends, so it's Correct. just Saturday night. It's, it used to be Friday and Saturday, Friday and Saturday, and I think that was too much, so um, we've got the two Saturdays. It's the second and third Saturdays of December, so this year that's the 10th and the 17th. Okay, so, and as I was talking to Matt, you know, he was saying that, uh, you know, they start preparing for this in January. So let's talk a little bit about what it takes to put, the, you know, two nights, two spectacular nights together and all the work it's taking ahead of time. Yeah, um, I mean, literally, uh, I help uh, do a lot of the work leading this along with Hadley Cheris, who, uh, who is our uh, gardens and greenhouse manager. Um, you know, it's a whole team effort, but we uh, I write the scripts and the storylines and those sorts of things. Hadley is the brains behind all of the decoration. We used to hire in uh, decorators, and then Hadley is just amazing. amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I enjoy 
causing trouble with her. Um, <laughs> and so literally, it'll be like during the lighting the candles before, you know, a candlelight starts one year. And we're like, okay, so what are we doing next year? Um, <laughs> and so uh, we're excited. This is the, going to be the... For this year, we're actually redoing uh, one of our most popular storylines. Um, we're bringing back the princess. I don't know if you remember. I can't remember if it was 2015, 2016, um, somewhere around then. Okay, so you have a princess. Yeah, so, I don't know that I do, but I, that sounds exciting. My so, granddaughter will love that. <laughs> it's actually, so this is a, um, you know, we things are based in history. We, we Candlelight, we try to do is kind of an edutainment event. <laughs> um, and so we are... Uh, you know, doing what we can to teach while everyone is also here having a great time. And what happened during Governor Martin's time in his administration, um, there was this young lady who was uh, sentenced to transportation, which means that she had committed a crime in, you know, the United, in the Great Britain and had been sentenced to be sent here. Uh, she, her labor would have been sold as an indentured servant for about seven years, um, and then she would never have been allowed to return. Um, she worked in some very upper-class families over there, um, had exposure to actually the royal court and those sorts of things. And um, her name was Sarah Wilson. Sarah decided that she was um, not going to take her fate lying down. She took her fate into her own hands. So she had was transported over here. Uh, her uh, labor was sold to uh, William Duval in Maryland for what was supposed to be seven years. She uh, decided to take off on her own. <laughs> and she got some fine gowns and she traveled the colonies uh, pretending to be the estranged younger sister of Queen Charlotte. Okay. <laughs> and people were fawning over her because, you know, here you have this royal who's fallen on hard times. And if you help her out now when things are restored, then, you know, she's she was promising land and titles and everything like that. And there is a North Carolina history book, one of the first ones, um, that says that when she came to New Bern, Governor Martin threw a party for her. <laughs> And um, so we try to recreate that. And what I love is the fact that we know this is happening. And at the same time, as she's traveling, there's all this gossip of you know people who are going, she's wonderful and all this other stuff and other people going, I'm not sure. sure. <laughs> uh, either one gentleman, you know, Queen Charlotte's native language would have been German. Right. And so there was a guest who was like, obviously, this is going to be her native tongue as well. And so he starts speaking to her in German, and she just kind of glazes over. And she's like, yeah, we're here in the colonies. We all need to speak. You know, I will speak your language and all this other stuff. And everyone's like, she, uh, this doesn't add up. So there was all this suspicion that was following her. Mr. Duval is kind of following her. She gets down to about Charleston and caught and sent back, but we capture this story awesome. and all the rumors following her. Um, that's gonna be the storyline this year. And it seems really fitting with you know Netflix doing this, um, the Anna Sorokin yes. story. It's very similar in a lot of ways, a lot of parallels. And I just think that's, it's a lot of fun and it's really timely and it's yeah, a connection. Right. Anytime you can find a way to connect modern history to what happened in the past and realize that our ancestors aren't really all that different than we are. So true. So, you know, I, I, it is a big effort. I remember years ago that they would bring in volunteers from around the state to do the greenery because it was all fresh and all of that, you know, using uh, magnolia and boxwood and all, all the local greenery that we, we have mm -hmm. here. Fruit, you know, always the big thing. But I know that has changed somewhat because, first of all, with the heat, it didn't last very long and was very time consuming and very expensive. So yeah, we do use a lot of um, permanent greenery, I think is the correct name for okay. it now. Um, <laughs> you don't wanna say fake though, um, but um, some of that is dried and preserved, but some of it is, you know, right. you know, modern modern equivalents. Uh, yeah, I remember one year when we had fruit in the entry hall, so much less on the outside of the buildings where it's in you know, direct heat. Right. But there was one year where we were using fruit and some of the decoration in the palace entry hall. 
And uh, we started joking that we were making sangria because it started to, the fruit started to ferment and that sort of thing. So that's not great when you've got period artifacts all around. Right. So it's, right. it allows us to, in the long run, you know, still give good high quality decorations, allows us to be good stewards of our funds. As you should. And um, also helps us, you know, protect what we have been entrusted with. Right. But it, it's still beautiful. So. This is just a trivia question. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to it. How many candles do you have to light for candlelight? That I don't know. Now, we used you to use... guess. <laughs> oh, I mean, we're in the hundreds. I know that much. Okay. But um, And when I started, so I've uh, in November, it will have been 15 years that I've been at the palace. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I started, we had live candles inside the palace. Again, not the safest thing to do. The palace burned down once. We don't right. need to recreate that. We like to recreate history. Don't want to recreate the burning of the palace. Yes. So we have battery candles in there. But outside, we have the, the cressets, the fire baskets, and right. the candles, um, which can be really tricky You when you have the, you know, we've got the hurricane glass around them. Right. When it gets really cold and windy, I mean, we can deal with, you know, you know, shattered glass on oh, it. Yeah, that's there's no doubt about it. There's so it takes a lot of coordination, it's and that's lot. why you have to start in January because it takes a lot of coordination to put on this event because it is much more than just touring the palace. Back in the day, when I went to some of the earlier candlelights, it was just a matter of walking through the main mm-hmm. palace and and seeing it decorated for Christmas, and that there was nothing else besides that. But now. All kinds of entertainment. You can go into the kitchens, and um, so some of the entertainment we're going to have. Um, and I can't think of her name. The the tightrope walker or the yeah. Senora Bella. We're not going to have uh, this year. Um, what who we do have? Because I actually just finished locking in our uh-huh. performance tent performers. Um, for both weeks, we are going to have the PB and J Circus, and they've been performing with us for several years. Oh, great! Um, they're the fire eaters and the bed of nails and all the wonderful things that make you cringe. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love that. The uh, first week, we also will have Taylor Martin performing as Rodney the Younger, doing 18th century uh, magic acts. Okay. And then the second week, we will have Gravity Check, which is a um, a juggling act that comes out of Morganton. So they're, they're North Carolina. PB&J Circus actually comes to us from Kentucky, and Taylor comes to us all the way from Indiana. Um, really got a, a national reach there. We do. You? We do. And um, they are always thrilled to come back. I mean, sometimes before I can even reach out to them, they're reaching out to me going, can we come back and play? So, um, of course, a favorite of everybody's Junkanoo. Mm-hmm. So um, I assume they'll be back and doing their thing. And, you know, that has been, that troupe has done an amazing job, many of which are Palace employees um, and some are volunteers. But I just love it, it the vibrancy it mm-hmm. gives the event. And, um, you know, wherever they're at, it's it's just great. So I, it's mm-hmm. good to see that they'll continue to be out there and and entertain. Junkanoo and Fife and Drum will be performing throughout the night. Um, we will have yeah, the storyline for um, includes the palace and the uh, kitchen. kitchen office. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have uh, like uh, just kind of walkthroughs to look at the decor and those sorts of things for the Dixon and Stanley houses. Um, uh, we'll have some food trucks like we normally have done those sorts of things. The tavern um, in I the have courtyard. Some I mean, there was something or some cider. Maybe it was. That's so, what it was. Yeah. So um, we are the we will be handing out uh, cider again this year from. But this year, instead of doing it in the courtyard behind the kitchen office, that will be our tavern. So that um. will be adult beverages. Um, but uh, in uh, behind the commission house, we will be um, uh, serving cider there. Oh, awesome! Mm-hmm. So it takes in. You know, there's many properties, and that's what people don't understand about Tri Palace. It is so much more than the actual palace itself. When you think of the buildings on that ground, and then you have the North Carolina History Center, then you've got all the ancillary buildings that the palace owns um, that um, require a lot of maintenance, a lot of upkeep, and it takes a lot of money. It's not an easy thing. And, you know, um, a huge shout-out to my very good friend, Jeannie Tyson. Um, Jeannie Tyson is the chairman of the... Tryon Palace Foundation, and it is their job to raise funds to supplement so we can do this additional program because the funds from the state barely cover salaries and and 
you know, general operational things. It doesn't cover the additional funds that they need to keep up very old houses and some major repairs and other things that have to be done. So Jeannie has just done a yeoman's job in, first of all, educating our state legislators mm-hmm. about the importance of Tron Palace. Here is the first seat of government in the state of North Carolina and the where the first state legislator met. And it should be celebrated and it should be acknowledged on a regular basis and sometimes it's not. Um, and she's doing a great job in, in putting it out there. And she's also doing a great job in leading the many volunteers that she has in raising funds mm-hmm. and the different events, just like the winter feast that they have mm-hmm. that raises a lot of money for the palace and other things. And she's constantly talking to donors and others to just um, be there to support financially the things the palace is, needs to do. And she's just been amazing. She served on uh, the Tryon Palace Commission. Unfortunately, sometimes politics gets away because she should have stayed on that, that commission <laughs> forever, but her politics weren't necessarily the same as the governor, so therefore she she came off, but she stepped right into that role in the foundation, and I'm so proud of her. And every time I see her, she always wants to tell me about what's going on at Tryon Palace and say, <laughs> look, we're doing this, we're doing that. She takes her personal time and talents and goes to Raleigh all the time to educate the legislators. So um, it's important that, you know, if you don't know much about Tryon Palace, get involved, find out. This is a treasure in our backyard. You know, Newburn's so fortunate. We have so many firsts. And the fact, you know, it starts with we were the first state capital. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts there. And then it moves on to so many other things. The first bank, the first money, you know, in the state of North Carolina, the first printing press. You know, um, we had the first registered nurse in, in the United States from Newburn, North Carolina. So there, there's so many firsts. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it is the birthplace of Pepsi-Cola, which, how cool is that? People go, what? I can't believe it, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I think all of this put together makes us a really unique and wonderful, wonderful community. And that's why it's important that we support the palace and the many things that they do there and, and go to these events because I think it, it speaks a lot to who we are as a community. And there's always something going on there. You know, I've been involved in many volunteer opportunities throughout my years over there. And um, years ago, we, um, to raise money for the foundation, we used to do like an event um, in the spring where uh, we'd have food and wine. It was like a gathering, a spring celebration out in the back of the lawn. And it was really successful and we did it for a couple of years. But then, you know, it's hard to get volunteers and that's the problem. You guys really thrive on volunteers couldn't do what you do without them. That's correct. I mean, we are, you know, a lot of people uh, um, feel like, oh, well, the palace is a state site. We are, and don't think people understand um, really how, that we are a public-private partnership. And like you were saying, we get, yes, we get support from the state, but we also rely very heavily on, you know, public aspects like the foundation. Um, And, you know, but that also is, contributions of people's time you know we have um you know i oversee the 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 docents we call them historic interpreters because the past is a foreign country and yeah. needs to be interpreted <laughs> um so i oversee them and yes i we do have some paid you know interpretive staff but we also need volunteers to make that work we just we don't have enough you know hired spaces and it's like that in every every right. branch um especially when you're doing special things like candlelight like outlander tour whatever you know if you, this is something you're interested in i suggest you know contact matt call somebody at the palace they certainly you know would love to to bring you on and they you know they had many many volunteers i mean hundreds and hundreds of volunteers and of course when COVID hit many of those volunteers because they were older disappeared in essence because you know of the situation so they're trying to rebuild that volunteer corps but it would be great to get some young people in there who who could volunteer and do that and there's also some volunteer opportunities sometimes for children that can do some interesting things when you're doing specific uh specific tours because i remember when you were a young man you were out there doing your things yep. i started i started life in the palace when i was a junior in high school yeah, um, so. I, was a, I was a volunteer during candlelight dancing yeah. yeah so i you know i i know that those opportunities are out there and it's good to get um people involved because again um it's not just a state treasure it is a newborn treasure mm-hmm. and it's something that we should really wrap our arms around and continue to protect and um 
you know, work with because it's just a great thing. So today I've been talking to Matt Arthur from Tryon Palace. We've been talking about the Glorious Fourth. One more time, I want to tell you that it'll happen this Monday at Tryon Palace. It is a free event and you're, you know, you don't want to miss this so much fun. The reading of the Declaration of Independence, that's what we're all about. That's what this holiday is all about. You'll see the Fife and Drum Call. You'll see the North Carolina Regiment. Um, just a great day to bring your family out. Gates open at 9. The event starts at 10, and it'll be done by noon. And, you know, take the kids out. Yes. Just a, a great way to do that. But if you're not around this weekend but want to know more about Tryon Palace, tryonpalace.org. Mm -hmm. And you can get information on everything from Outlander Tours to the Pepsi Family Center to everything else that's going on in the palace. And they're doing a great job. You know, shout out to my colleague, Nancy. Figel, is that how you pronounce it? Figel. Uh, Figel. Um, she sits with me on the tourism board. I have enjoyed getting to know her, and she has done an amazing, she's the marketing manager, and she has done an amazing job in really getting this information out. So when I contacted her about talking about this today, she says, have I got the person for you? So I'm so glad that she sent you my way because... Uh, it's been great. So uh, everybody get out there and enjoy that. Also, too, City of New Bern, Fireworks 915, uh, Lawson Creek Park. There, If you want to get there, the gates open there at 530. There's going to be a band, music, lots of good times to get your family out there. You can bring a cooler, no alcohol, please, no glass. But, you know, bring stuff for the kids and a picnic basket, and I think it would be great for y'all and for families just to to come out and enjoy what's going on in our city. It's It's been a great thing that the city has provided for many, many, many years, and I hope that in the future we'll be able to continue to do this. Um, as I said, I will be gone uh, on next Friday, but Liz will be here. I'm sure she'll have a great show for you talking about veterans and all the great things that the veterans do. And um, I just want to wish everybody a safe a happy, I'm going to go early today, a safe and a happy uh, 4th of July. Please, you know, uh, be kind. Um, this is a small, really great community. And all this meanness we've got out there right now is so unnecessary. Don't tear Newburn apart, y'all. Um, when we have this wonderful community where we share, if you don't like something, that's fine, but we don't need to tear down each other. Um, be respectful. If you want to disagree, disagree. It's okay, but be respectful. Um, don't attack people. Don't go on a witch hunt against people. It's not necessary, uh, and it's not what Newbern is about. I've been in this community for 45 years, and when I stepped into it, it was a small, quiet little southern town, and it has grown with great people and great treasures that they have brought to our city. And our downtown today looks like it does because of so many people's hard work, including mine. And um, again, you know, just let's, let's try to remember that this place is only as good as the people are. And if we're all picking at each other, it's not going to be a good place anymore. So get out there. Enjoy the 4th. Enjoy your family. Get to the palace. Get to Lawson Creek Park. Everybody be safe, and we will definitely see you on the sidewalks. Happy 4th of July. Have a great weekend.